And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. It is Monday, August 16th. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris. Thank you to those of you watching us on YouTube. Hit the like button on this video. Be sure to subscribe to this channel to get notifications when we drop new episodes. And if the previously mentioned field trips ever begin to happen, that's where they're going to go. Field trips are good visual learning experiences. We would share as much of those as we possibly could on our YouTube channel. On this episode, we have a ton of ground to cover, a great weekend around baseball. Chris Sale is back, so we'll talk about what some of the underlying numbers uh, are saying with his first start back following Tommy John surgery. Fernando Tatis Jr. is back. He's playing in the outfield, so we'll talk about that adjustment. We had a surprising no-hitter in Arizona, so we'll talk about that. And I'm going to count this as part of the weekend because we recorded on Thursday before the Field of Dreams game happened. We had a pretty amazing Field of Dreams game that went down way back on Thursday. So a lot of feedback on that. Uh, Also, really cool thing that I just saw this morning. Baseball America updated its MLB organizational talent rankings. So just taking a look mostly at the overall value of the young players in the system. We'll talk about a few of the top teams on that list. Some bright futures for some teams that might not have very bright presence. And one team in particular that really kind of stands out because of their success here in 2021. You know, how's it going for you on this Monday? It's good. It's good. I I thought I thought this weekend uh, that my dog had torn his ACL. Oh, jeez, uh, how'd that happen? Well, uh, we don't. I didn't realize this was uh, not something you should not do. <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess we take them on jogs, but only kind of on weekends. Um, and that's called uh, like if there's like a term for it, like weekend warrior dogs. Binge running. Yeah, and I guess they're not, they don't have, they haven't built up, like, in the parlance of baseball time, of our times, like, they haven't built up the uh, chronic uh, ability to have that sort of acute stress. Mm. So, uh, it's a little bit like not doing your arm care routine and then just trying to throw two innings. Um, So, uh, we only take them for, like, two miles, but they're very little dogs. Um, and so I guess after this last, uh, two mile run, um, one of the dogs was trying to hop up onto the couch and, uh, yelped and his leg was, uh, spasming Mm. and he was really sad. And I was looking up prices of ACL surgery and also being sad. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's, um, but. It's bad enough. The dog is uncomfortable and in pain, and then you start to look at how to fix it, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this yeah. is going to be a big, big problem to fix. Yeah, but my wife, it's so funny. I'm just like, I'm I'm just like such a stress case. I don't know. I, I might give off the the uh, the vibe of being uh, mellow and easygoing, but like in family matters, I'm like, oh, God, he tore his ACL. It's $4,000. Oh, God. And my wife is like, can you just wait? <laughs> you wait like three hours and yeah three hours later uh he was a little gimpy uh today he not showing anything and it basically i did read up from some more and it was like if they are gimpy give them two days if they're still gimpy after two days then it's something worse yeah so yeah. the uh, the fear I have, by the way, since we're sharing dog stories, there's a lot of great <laughs> parks in our area, as you know, but they're just not flat. And I think I mentioned this before. I threw a ball downhill to Hazel the first time we went to the park and she like fell because she was running so fast. Her legs couldn't keep up. User error. <laughs> so dumb, dumb human. Yeah, like she was so excited. It was her first fetch in over a week and she just uh-huh. she just wanted to play so bad. 
Um, so I've, I've remedied that, but I've noticed that the parks here, aside from being like really hilly, have some very odd, just like missing parts of ground. You'll have like these cracks just running through the middle of a park in, in grass or huge divots. And, and maybe it's just the particular park I've been going to the most, but uh, it is not just rolling former cornfields that have been turned into parks that are very uh, smooth. So you got to be a little no. bit careful where you play with the dogs around this, here. This this place was shaped by uh, many earthquakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you do find a little weird where you're like, why is there, why am I like, why is there like a cliff here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, like any, uh, all the creeks and stuff that used to be there are dry now. So now you have these weird things that look like they should be a creek, but they're not. And that might also trip you up, literally. Yes. <laughs> so watch your step if you come out to the Bay Area and just start going to parks and spending time with your dog there. That's the lesson I have learned here just uh, in the last week or so. Uh, some other weekend highlights, though, as I mentioned up top, Chris Sale is back. He was available in a lot of leagues because... With the timetable for his return, he was undrafted, and the rule in NFBC-style leagues, a player that is undrafted, has not appeared in the big leagues yet this season, is not available to be picked up until that player appears in a big league game. So since Sale appeared on Saturday, he was eligible in those leagues on Sunday as a fab pickup, and a lot of leagues out there, he was just stashed on the IL all season as a very late-round pickup, but I got him for just over 5% of a full budget in my 12-team online championship because a lot of teams don't have money left. And I figured, hey, if I'm going to throw most of my budget at one player at this point in the season, it should be Chris Sale. I thought overall he looked pretty good just from a a simple eye test. I had that start on in the background when it was happening on Saturday. I saw him touch 96 in the outing. The results were good. And and yeah, it was against the Orioles. So, you know, you take that with the necessary grain of salt. But I'm just curious, how did the stuff plus and location plus numbers look for Sale in his first start back from Tommy John? Well, right now it's set to Elysio Hernandez. Who I think is also going to be a nice late season pickup because there were a lot of leagues where he was unfortunately dropped. I was, I was trying to sneak him in, but I have so li- I have such little money, like such little FAB auction money left that even my like sneaky Elysio Hernandez for 20 bucks didn't work. <laughs> I couldn't do much more than that because... I have literally a hundred bucks left in most of my leagues out of a thousand. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm doing dollar days already. Uh, no, but I did, I did look at Chris Dale earlier. The slider was uh, plus plus um, the changeup was plus the fastball was around league average. So that, you know, pushed the overall line closer to league average, but, uh, one thing that we've been finding as we're doing the work on validation is that 400 pitches is kind of the magic number. Um, so you'd want at least three starts uh, before uh, you say anything definitive. I don't know. He's so excellent and the slider's so excellent that I think the worst case scenario is the command does not come all the way back and the fastball is not his A-plus fastball this year. And I think even if those things both were true, he would still have like a 380 RA and, and 10 strikeouts per night. Which plays just fine. I mean, that puts him kind of in the 20 to 30 range among starters if that's who he is. And there's a chance that he's even a tick better than that. And it, that could be not vintage sale, but if he's a top 10 or top 15 pitcher the rest of the way, I mean, if you are in a position where you had Jacob deGrom and we found out over the weekend that he had another setback in his bid to get back, and Chris Sale was out there on the wire, like you might actually luck your way into something that actually resembles a typical DeGrom, not 2021 DeGrom, because look, nobody nobody does that over a stretch, but anyone actually could come close over six weeks. Um, so I'm pretty excited about Sale. I, I think there's a lot to like here, and it's just nice to see one of the game's best arms back out there because it's been such a difficult year with injuries uh, across the board. Uh, but some good news for Fernando Tatis Jr. as well. He came back from the IL, and he's playing in the outfield. Made the start in right field in that first game back. Homeward in that first game back. I think this probably shed some light on a few things long-term. I think there's a decent chance that long-term he's going to be in the outfield, kind of regardless of what happens in the near term with his shoulder. 
This gives me this belief that maybe we are going to have some kind of off-season procedure, even if it's just more of like a cleanup sort of thing, that we're not going to have a, a simple rest sort of off-season for Tatis. It's going to be a news-filled off-season. But I also think this probably clears the way for C.J. Abrams to eventually take over as the Padres starting shortstop at some point, maybe in the first half of 2022. He's had injuries in the minors this year that have kept him from cruising through the upper levels of their system. I think we both thought there was at least a chance that in the event of a Tatis long-term injury that maybe Abrams would actually be debuting around this time. His season is over because of a fracture, I believe, in his leg. So if you look at this situation from the long haul, those are my two takeaways. Abrams is probably their starting shortstop by this time next year, and Tatis probably needs some sort of work done this offseason. Yeah, it is interesting that... Um, uh, so we already have like two separate seasons of, of data for Fraterno Tatis defensively, where it's like, one, he was one of the worst shortstops defensively in like his first season and then it looked like he really went to work and the and the the type of plays that he wasn't making were the easy plays you know so we thought okay he, he just has to dedicate himself to it and he came back and he's one of the best and then this year he's kind of regressed a little defensively so if it's not just that he has to dedicate himself to defense and maybe there is a softness there. Like he's not going to be the best defensive shortstop um, and he's not going to stay there forever. Then you just have to think about where he's going to play because his bat is so good that that's what we're seeing, right? comes back, plays right field. His bat is so good. You, you need him in there. Probably the contract will be okay. Even if he's uh, a right fielder at some point, but I do think that's a little aggressive to take him off a shortstop next year, depending on the outcome of this surgery that he has. I right. think I mean, if the surgery is, you know, sort of what they expected and not that big a deal and just a little cleanup in the shoulder. And he's already doing baseball activities before spring spring training starts. Then I would just put him back in shortstop. Yeah, we'll see how they play it. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot that the Padres have to consider as they move through their offseason once they get there. This is the best offensive player Tatis has been as a big leaguer so far, a 172 WRC plus this season. He's only played 89 games entering this week, but 33 homers, 23 steals. He's 23 for 26 as a base stealer, and everything just looks so good for him at the plate. I think the other kind of related question here would be, where are we comfortable drafting him in 2022 we're missing the full extent of what the offseason is going to bring for him but if it's an on again off again injury concern with this shoulder if we don't if we don't get some sort of clarity that the procedure that he eventually has is going to reduce the likelihood of these setbacks does that bump him out of the top five even though he has an easy argument to be the number one player in fantasy based on pure talent right now I so want him. It's been really nice having him on my fantasy teams. He's a really great producer. He's, uh, you know, I've even had him in OBP where I was a little bit worried, and he's had like a 380 OBP this year. The one name that bothers me when I think about, oh, yeah, just put him in the top 10, top five, is Cody Bellinger. Because Cody Bellinger had a similar problem, subluxation of the shoulder. That required surgery. He had the surgery. He couldn't uh, come back as strong as he wanted to. And he's just now maybe turning the corner on that injury. So you wouldn't want to get the Cody Bellinger 2021 next year for top five prices. No, I would not wish that on anybody. But then Cody Bellinger was also his his production wasn't as amazing before right cody ballinger's 2020 wasn't as good as fernando tatis's 2021 no and i think the other thing that is really kind of eye-popping i'm looking at the rotowire earned auction values for this season is he still really good he's number one he's wow he's, he's been a 42 dollar player to this point vlad jr right there at 41 right behind him but that's with 89 games compared to you know, 116 from Vlad Jr. There's a little drop. Bo Bichette is third among hitters, by the way, which 
you could have given me 10 guesses as to who that player would be, and I wouldn't have hit <laughs> Bo Bichette as number three in earned value. I don't think so. Is it because has he stolen a bunch of bases? That's probably got a lot to do with it. He's also got 89 runs scored. So he's not only has he showed offense. power and speed, but yeah, 286 with 20 homers, 77 RBIs, 89 runs scored, and 17 steals. So, I mean, it, it's been a great season for Bo Stat Bichette. stuffer in every category. Yeah, yep. I, I just I think that it's one of those things where I think where you put him in the top five depends on a little bit depth, what the waiver wire looks like when he goes down, what your IL rules are. You, you know, you, I think you will want to think about that a little bit. And, it, and that, and that makes me say maybe not a number one pick because the number one pick you don't want to think about. It's tough but, though, but because the number one pick, the coming off of ACL. Yep. Tatis is coming off of this, this Betts has a hip thing that looks chronic. Yeah, Trout you're not taking no bets at one. Number one. Is Trout coming back this year? I mean, I, I am I'm beside myself that he's not like even close to returning, at least based on reports, doesn't seem to be close to returning right now. You know that that league where I have uh, where I nursed Otani and Alvarez in a in a one uh one util league. Oh yes, uh, I do. I'm gonna win that league. Uh, and I'm going to win it on the back of Otani and Alvarez with Trout on my IL like the whole season. <laughs> I had Trout and Bregman as my other two keepers out of like the five keepers. And uh, Alvarez and Shotani have been so awesome uh, that it doesn't matter. I got almost zeros from those two guys. Anyway, nobody cares about your team. I would say um, maybe Tatis is number one then because where who am I missing? I, are we going to push Vlad like? Into the top five. So the top five from this year, you mentioned Acuna. Yeah, coming off the ACL, probably not there right away because there's a possibility, depending on how the rehab goes, that he's not quite ready for opening day. I think there's pretty many bases. Right, might not run as much right away. A lot of questions is just that he's not quite the same guy immediately. Long term, he should be able to bounce back from it. So Acuna, probably not in there. Tatis is in the top five, I think. Unless there's something major. If it's like a... I don't know, an unexpected labrum repair or something, which doesn't seem like the case with Tatis. But Betts and Trout, He's I think, are not. Yeah, DeGrom's probably out of the top five right now, based yeah. on what you're seeing at this point. I don't think you want to put Cole in the top five. Maybe. I mean, there's going to be some projections that say Cole is still top five. Is Juan Soto a top five player going the next season? Without steals? Without steals. I mean, if you can put Vlad Jr. in there, I would argue that you should you should be able to put Soto in there just as easily. Where's Soto on your earners? Yeah, let's, let's hear some more earners. Some more earners. Soto because of missed time. Wow, Soto, you got to like search down. He is twenty yeah. twenty five dollars. He's not way way down. Earners. Let's just listen to some top to the other five in the top ten. Here, here's the straight top ten. It's Tatis and Guerrero at forty two and forty one. The drop to Bichette at thirty five. Rafael Devers at thirty four. Marcus Semien at thirty three, rounding out the top five. And then you got Trey Turner at thirty two, which makes sense. So he's probably in the top five going the next season. Matt Olson at 32. We talked about his new approach. Obviously, the counting stats are great. The power's been there, and the average's been there. Walker Bueller is the first pitcher here. He's at $32 as well. Ozzy Albies and then Freddie Freeman round out the top 10 so far, with Jose Ramirez also tied at $30 with Freddie Freeman. Uh, the top five took a real big hit, and I'm not I'm not like anointing any of these guys' uh, consensus top five right away. I guess Turner might sneak in. Turner has lived in the first round long enough where I think people will have more confidence in him than a lot of the other guys who yeah, are getting here for the first time. Marcus Simeon at that at that sort of price, I don't think. But holy crap, is Walker Bueller the first pitcher off the board? Because the first pitcher off the board probably cracks the top five, at least in NFBC formats. Is Woodruff really close? Because I, I I was like trying to get Bueller and Woodruff in every draft. Yeah, Woodruff, I think should be really close. Let me get the full pitcher leaderboard up just to see that. Okay, yeah, it's, it's real close. Bueller's 32, kind of off on his own, but that's been part because 12 wins on top of those great oh, ratios. Yeah. DeGrom's at 28, even with all the missed time. Zach Wheeler also at 28. Gossman at 27, and then Brandon Woodruff at 26. Scherzer at 25. How about the Brewers with Peralta at 24 and Burns at 23? So you're looking at those guys, and then I think Chris Bassett and Garrett Cole are tied at 22, as is Carlos Rodon, kind of rounding out the top 10 among pitchers so far. I, I think it's really hard. I think it probably goes something like Tatis, Turner, Acuna, Soto, Devers or something. And I think if, if I had to make the decision today, 
I think I would jam Vlad Jr. in ahead of oh, Acuna, yeah. and, and someone would get a deal Maybe on Acuna potentially. Maybe where I have Soto, put Vlad. Let me, oh, Tatis, Vlad, Turner. Tatis, Vlad, Turner. I smell a Twitter poll. Soto versus Vlad is a, it's such a recency bias sort of debate. I, yeah. I think it's like dead even, but I think if you put it on Twitter, was it Vlad, Vlad Jr. 80-20? Are they going deep rebuild or are they just going back to the well and spending a little bit? I don't know. They seemed like they were willing to trade anybody. They traded away a guy who was under contract for next year. Yeah, that was... Turner. I, I thought it was unexpected. I didn't see that move coming at all from them. Uh, I think the bottom line here is the first round as a whole, wide open for next year because of all of the injuries, all the issues that have come up this year. And That's wild. Drafting early, as it always is, will be like even more fun. I'm now thinking, fun. like, how I'm gonna I'm gonna win like five leagues this year. I'm having a pretty good year, and I'm like, how? And what are you doing? What, yeah, I... what are you doing with that next year? Like, how how do you feel about next year right now? Like, not not real confident. One of my leagues, uh, NFBC, I'm running away with it. It's an OC. I'm running away with it. My entire bench is hurt, and my bench is like Bieber, Pablo Lopez, Rizzo, Sanchez, like. It's all like kind of short termy, so you're like, except for Bieber, and you're like, oh. But I was looking, at it, I was like, I think Bieber was my number one round pick. My first round pick was Bieber in this league, and yeah. I've been nursing that guy all year. And I, I actually, from what I talked to Zach Meisel recently, I, I don't think, um, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who think that Bieber might not come back this season. If he comes back, it might just be to kind of show that everything's on track at the end of September. It might not be, I'm going to come back and throw as many innings as I can. I think it's, let's look to the future and, and be smart and careful with it because it doesn't look good. I, did, I nursed that one too long, I think. But now I'm like, well, I'm in first anyway. Might as well just leave him there to just, just, just see what happens. But um, yeah, I think the first round is 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 an open open question mark. And I think that for, you know, it is interesting to think, well, it's just a round like any other, but you kind of in the first round think, I want to get a guy I don't have any question marks about. That's what you used to think. And then it was, okay, well, with my top five pick, I'm going to get somebody without any question marks. <laughs> now it's like, uh, nope, there's question marks in every round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because going through this year's final ADP, Acuna obviously just down because of the injury. Tatis holding his spot. Probably as long as the injury situation is not terrible. DeGrom down because of injury. Soto probably down just slightly because of performance, but not injury, down that much. Yeah, Shoulder. missed time. Betts down. Trout down. Cole down at least slightly. Turner probably up. Bieber down. Yelich down. Jose Ramirez might be the other guy that has that candidacy for the top five because he's just like Turner. around as everyone drops from around him. Yeah, <laughs> at, least, at least initially until people sort of find the floor, so to speak, and kind of figure out like what they want to do. I bet in early drafts, Ramirez will be a little high. And then as people talk themselves into other players, maybe he'll slide in kind of like the middle part. Like his ADP will be eight by the time we get to March, but it'll be five if you're drafting in November and December. I mean, other than that one sort of half-year blip, he's been a really remarkable, consistent performer, Jose Ramirez. With, uh, with that body... It's not the body scouts dream of. <laughs> no, really good player and, and probably <laughs> underappreciated in a lot of ways. A couple other quick weekend highlights to get to. Glad we got into that uh, future segue because that was pretty fun. How about that surprising no-hitter from Tyler Gilbert over the weekend? I saw this courtesy of the Associated Press. Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter in his first big league start, and he was the first pitcher to do that since Bobo Holloman. Amazing. I've never That's heard right. of Bobo Holloman before. Happened in yeah. 1955, I believe. Yeah. It sounds, it, that sounds like a 1905 name, really. Sounds like you would have played with Oyster Burns. Yeah, Oyster Burns stabbed him. Yeah. Um, Tyler Gilbert, I'm, I'm pulling it up. I, I just, uh, I remember it's, uh, does, it doesn't blow you away from a location and stuff uh, standpoint. Uh, his best pitch was the knuckle curve by Stuff Plus. It's the only pitch that's above average, and he he threw it eleven times. Uh, his cutter four seam combo—they look like both are like basically average pitches. Um, 
Yeah, it was a weird know. pitch mix. When I looked into it, I was like, how on earth did that just happen? And he, as he said, guys were just hitting balls at guys, which is kind of how most yeah. no-hitters happen. Yeah. His called strike percentage on the day was... Uh, oh, that's this includes other ones. But for the for his seats for the season, it's twenty two percent. That is, uh, and also because he relie- he was a relief earlier. This was the worst stuff plus of, of the season for him. <laughs> yeah, so a really cool story because he was apprenticing as an electrician with his yeah. dad this time last year, and here he is throwing a no hitter against a team that has playoff aspirations uh, in August, no less. I so think they even uh, didn't they just they claimed. I think he's a rule five guy that they claim from the Dodgers minor league rule five guy. Didn't minor even get on the 60. Five. Yeah. It wasn't even on part of the 60 player pool for the Dodgers a year ago. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Very cool story. Also shove it to the guys that let you go. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer. If you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The other weekend highlight, which I'm just rounding into a weekend highlight, of course, was the Field of Dreams game with the stock off from Tim Anderson. That game stock off. That game delivered on every possible level, which I think Major League Baseball needed. And there was a great email that Chris sent us, one of our listeners. The way Major League Baseball handled ticketing, Iowa residents actually had the first priority to buy tickets. Face value was, cool. was like $400, though. So... They were cost prohibitive, which is, is a problem. And then, of course, like any special event in any sport, the people that get those tickets access first are going to try and resell them to make some money. I would imagine this happens with uh, winter classic games in the NHL, right? They play in baseball stadiums and football stadiums. They played a game at Lake Tahoe, which I think had to be scrapped partway through because the ice was melting. But the scenery was beautiful before that game uh, was put on hold. They did have Little League games, a uh, Little League game playing the night before at the venue, so that's pretty cool as well. Uh, and Chris's email points out to you that Field of Dreams is way better than Space Jam or Detective Pikachu. I didn't really provide a lot of insight into my lukewarm tone about Field of Dreams. I don't dislike the movie. I think I was disappointed as an adult re-watching it for the first time since I was a kid. Like As a kid, I had it on the same level as Sandlot. As an adult, I actually think the Sandlot is a slightly better all-around baseball movie but absolutely worth watching if you haven't seen Field of Dreams. A surprising number of people hadn't seen it, probably watched it over the weekend after seeing the game. Um, I thought the execution of the event itself, just the, the way the game played out, it, it was Hollywood-worthy, right? Like they, Everything Major League Baseball could have wanted from White Sox-Yankees in Dyersville, Iowa, it all sort of happened. Yeah, I, it's a, the, the, the nerd in me was wondering about park factors. Uh, park factors are hard enough to, to figure out when you've got seasons worth of data so just watching one game i was like well did they just make a another yankee stadium because everything was going out to right field right mm-hmm. but was that wind um i did see some speculation in our inbox uh for juiced balls <laughs> uh, and and i will i will have to say that having just been in denver uh, for the for the home run derby where they not only turn the humidor off for those balls, but also use special home run derby balls. So in essence, juiced balls. Um, It doesn't seem impossible that these events where we don't have TrackMan and Hawkeye, (laughs) we don't have any way to track it, um, that those balls might be different. I don't know. It's not, it's, 
it's not insane. Um, but I did, I, I, I did wonder at least a couple times what was going on with the ball and the stadium when, um, when the homers went out. It's not that the homers were just enough. Most of them were, were pretty no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I thought when I saw Tim Anderson make that uh, contact on that uh, on that last pitch, I did not think home run off the bat. I think he knew it was a home run off the bat, though. Yeah, so I mean, that, you, know, <laughs> you, you take batting practice in a venue, you see how the ball travels, and you can probably get that feel uh, pretty quickly. But uh, I, that was an email from Peter, by the way, that wondered if they had used juiced balls. I think the way I would describe it is, I don't think they. <laughs> I don't think the level of, of henchmanship, if I hope that's a word, if it's not a word, henchmanship is now my word. Henchmanship is now my word. I don't think it's at a level where they say, let's get some super springy baseballs for Iowa. I don't think it's quite like that. I think it's more like, we're not going to put these baseballs in a humidor and you know we're, we're, just, we're going to set it up in a way where it will probably be a more springy ball, but it's not like specially designed. It's just there are things they could do to control it that they won't do for a situation like that for yeah, some I of the reasons I, that you I, mentioned. I, 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 if, I, if I had to guess, I would guess I was dry dry and hot. Yeah. Yeah, this time of year, very dry, very hot. Yeah. So. And I saw Derek Cardi had a thread trying to project the park factors. It was projected to play hitter-friendly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cardi's on top of the park factors, man. He he nailed that Arizona change with the humidor. He did. He absolutely he really, he did. I want to figure it out. So I think the, the big question here going forward: Field the Dreams game clearly a success. People loved it. They're still talking about it days later. Who plays in it next year? And I mean, how far into the future do you think we do this? I think you could do this at least for four or five years, if not longer. You already had, you did the hard part. You built the stadium. You have the infrastructure in place. I think you got to kind of make this a, a bigger deal and, and rotate more teams through. Do you think it? Do you think it has staying power? What's the What's the hockey one? They do it every year. The Winter Classic, and the, the thing that makes the Winter Classic work though is it's a different venue, right? You play a hockey game in Fenway Park one year, then you play one in right. Coors Field the next year. Also, it's not tied to a movie. Like it's kind of weird that it's so tied to a movie. Like we're gonna celebrate Field of Dreams every summer. <laughs> I, I think the challenge, though, I, I threw this on the rundown last week. We didn't have time to get to it. Is what other Hollywood baseball environment would you try to recreate? Could you recreate a field like the Sandlot? I mean, obviously you have to make it safe for players and you could make it look like the Sandlot, but it has to play like a regular baseball diamond. You can't have uh, uneven grass and different things in there, but could you, could you make the outfield backdrop? Could you actually recreate that on a major league field? I think you could do things like that and, and probably, you know, create this in other ways, but I think you do want to run this at least a couple of times with a few other teams Open it up to a few more fan yeah, bases. It's it's, pay for itself. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta justify spending <laughs> all that time and effort money. on it. Uh, I was thinking, you know, what other ideas could you have uh, for baseball? One one is um, uh, Durham for Bull Durham. Yep, Bull Durham would be another one. Sandlot would be one. Uh, rookie of the year. You already have the stadium. You just got a lot of kid pitching a big league game, which might be a, a major liability uh, and labor <laughs> issue. <laughs> You also have to have him break uh, his arm angels, first, too. Angels in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, angels in the outfield. You could <laughs> got the stadium already. Got the stadium uh, already. No, that's why I say don't tie it to the movie. I think I think it gets weird when you tie it to the movie. Also, then you're like celebrating one movie every year. I like the idea of just traveling and 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 barnstorming and playing in in places that don't have a baseball team uh, play in like play in England, like they do in football, you know, play. We did, we did that once for baseball, but playing, uh, you know, play in Latin America, man. Like what? Latin America loves baseball. <laughs> Why do we have a game in Dominican Republic? Major league game. Yeah. I, I think the infrastructure situation everywhere you want to bring this game does become a challenge. If you're trying to get thousands of people to be able to watch, you got to either got to go to a place with a stadium or you have to build Which one. Probably or, why they did Puerto Rico before Dominican Republic. Or you have to have some sort of portable stadium that you can put around an existing field easily, which I think would be a really tough engineering sort of thing to do. But again, I, I came away very impressed by all this. There were chances for it to be... Uh, kind of overdone and, and silly, but I actually thought I think it was the Blue Jays excellent. should play a game in um, in Buffalo every year going forward. <laughs> just as a tradition? Just like a series. Yeah, why not? Like, just remember, hey, this was our COVID home park. Let's do this. What if, I mean, I, I guess major league cities especially don't want to lose any 
home games, especially businesses near the ballparks. But imagine if every major league team. One of those last spring training. Uh, Remember when you that rivalry week, Mm -hmm. the spring training games where I mean, out here, it's always the Giants play the A's right before the season starts. Yeah. Maybe you see a little bit of that that is if it's like Blue Jays, Red Sox tune up or whatever it is. Do that in 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 in, uh, in Buffalo. I mean, just. They put all that work in that stadium and, you know, they're going to have some memories associated with Buffalo, I think. Yeah, you can't really play a baseball game in Buffalo in March. Not not comfortably, anyway. Oh, that's right, March. <laughs> you got well, a nice snowstorm. The Blue Jays still make the money, come on. Do some I think August thing in Buffalo. It, it would be cool if we had a way of playing a game that mattered in the AAA city where each team's affiliate is located. Like that would be one way to sort of build up the relationship between the major league fan base and the minor league city, because clearly those are big markets that don't have a team of their own, but it would make more sense. That's the feeling I'm getting. Like, that's what I'm talking about with Buffalo. Yeah. Right. Like if there are, if there were a big faction of white Sox fans in Charlotte, where their triple a team is, or if in Nashville, there's a huge contingent of brewers fans, right? That'd be kind of cool to have, these different things you'd have you know brewers bars popping up in in Nashville like you can have stuff like that anyway but i just think it's another way to kind of grow your your fan base have a, a larger footprint for people that follow your team and, and care and, about your team minor league parks should not switch organizations from year to year like the, you should have really long contracts to build that up so that you almost have like sister cities and and you have this like you have this like, you know, real affi- affiliation with this, with your minor league t- the cities. You know what I mean? Well, I think it in a perfect world, you'd always have something within about two hours, right? I mean, even, even the distance from Chicago to Des Moines where the Iowa Cubs are like, that's close enough because of modern travel and being able to jump on a plane and get there very quickly. That kind of works, but it starts to break down just because there aren't enough, I guess, adjacent big cities to pull it off. I, I don't really... I don't really understand why that's never been the case. Obviously, there's even if it's a little bit further, I, I think it's it's cool to have this. To I like this idea of like like okay, if we're gonna slim down the the minor leagues, then let's really let's like lock these relationships into place and have some sort of long lasting, uh, you know, relationship that you're building with these other cities. Uh, I think it lead to a lot of fun. And maybe it solves some of the logistic problems that we've talked about in the past too, where teams can better support the players there because they know they're going to have the property there for right yeah like if you know you're going to be in in tacoma or you know you're going to be in in stockton for a long time then build a little dorm there for for your for your players so they have somewhere to live and boom like that's going to be your spot because you're locked into stockton for 20 years you know Yep. and then you can actually make an investment in their lives uh in a way that that'll really matter to them so I think that it's actually super important. And I think right now you're seeing people leave the minor league game because they can't afford it. And that, uh, that will trickle up to, uh, to what we're seeing is the minor leagues right now um, have already, they're already reporting reduced uh, quality of gameplay. JJ Cooper had a piece out about this in baseball America where he said uh, fielding percentage is at like a 10 year low strikeout rates are at a high and walk rates are low and of course some of that is game trends but some of that also is just they had a full year off and then uh some of that is this you throw the housing crisis on top of that i mean like how awesome are you going to be at playing baseball if like you're you're sleeping in a car because you can't afford uh, a hotel room for the night right yeah i think the the other factors that was a great article that JJ put together the other factors. I mean, you changed some rules at, at low a, you mm-hmm. also have really young players showing up there because of some of the changes with rookie ball. I mean, there's just all sorts of, but of I had a major league in. outfielder share that article with me, uh, saying, you know, this is hundred percent true and it's already visible at the major league level that they're mm-hmm. calling people up that just have no. And I think about it this way, just, this is anecdotal, but think about it this way. How many, how many uh, rip the doors off uh, the hinges debuts have we had from like a young hitter this year? From young hitters, mm, none immediately come to mind. I can't even. I can't even think of one. Let's take a look. Rookie hitters so far this year. Jonathan India is not like young, young, but he's been he's been good. But he also not... played in the big leagues before this year, right? Mm, 
I don't think Jonathan India played in the big leagues. No, oh, he, okay. he debuted there this year. India had a pretty good. This that's a pretty good debut. Uh, at least Garcia is a little older. Akil Badu is a Rule Five pick, not like amazing, but but good. Andrew Vaughn has been solid overall and better lately, so he's kind of trending in the right direction. But I, I think your your point stands. I mean, it hasn't been a great year for rookie position players as a group. It's been a really tough year for them. And even guys that we thought were going to be closer to can't miss sorts of players. I mean, Dylan Carlson, by no means has, has he been bad, but he's only been a little above average. He's got a 108 WRC plus, right? He's got a 261, 341, 419 line. Jared Kelnick, who I Kelnick, thought was yeah. going to hit the ground running, he hasn't quite figured it out yet. I think he had a Marsh pretty big weekend. But yeah, like it, it, it's a pretty long list of guys that have let us down and I don't think it's necessarily because they're bad players I think it's because what they're trying to do with the transition from AAA to the big leagues right now it's much more difficult than we realized because of all these pretty unique factors from 2020 I don't know I don't know that you know there's a, an angle to take on this uh, you know young players are always a risk I think that when we draft uh, in redraft leagues you know, when we when we think about this, we all know that they are probably a bad bet on some, but we always take a, a couple, try to take a couple educated bets, maybe pay a little bit less, get a second tier guy, whatever it is. We all have a rookie strategy, right? I mean, that's everyone has their thoughts about you know how valuable rookies are and how to how to treat them um, in 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 our leagues. Um, and I don't think that you necessarily need to change it that much because what if you change it and then everything goes back to normal after they have a, a year of minor leagues like they've had. Right. Um, I would just generally say that uh, I'm in the camp that that thinks that uh, players making their true debuts are um, not always the best investments. The numbers bear that out. And Ariel Cohen's done the research looking back at Fab. I think Jeff Zimmerman at some point had done it too. It, it, usually you don't hit on the Juan Soto, Jordan Alvarez sort of level. More often than not, you spend more than you should in FAB and get less production than you would ordinarily get if you spent that much on a player in season. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. But I'm glad you mentioned Baseball America. They've done some great work throughout the year. And well, as long as I've been reading stuff about baseball, they've done great work. They had a recently released updated list of the top organizations in baseball, just in terms of overall talent. And you should check out the full list over at Baseball America. I'm not going to like give away all 30, but their top five came in with the Mariners at number one, 
not really a surprise there based on mm. the core they've got, Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez and George Kirby and Logan Gilbert, right? You can that's just the top. Like the the group of prospects they have is really good. They are a young team positioned with a very bright future. The next three, I think, might surprise some people. We have the Orioles, the Royals, and the Pirates, and the Giants round out the top five, which is just, uh, when you think about how good they are right now at the big league level and how old they are at the big league level, I think that bodes really well for their chances of having this current old group, which actually will stick around a little bit longer. Brandon Crawford just got a two-year extension recently. As those guys fade away in the next couple of years, that young talent they have coming up will possibly just keep them at a very high level. So this could be a a sustained peak for the Giants on the horizon. It might not just be, hey, they were really good this in, this season in 2021. They did some things right. The league caught up to them. They might be kind of offsetting the loss of these players in the next couple of years with legitimately good prospects. But Orioles, Royals, Pirates all being in the top five. If you're a fan of any of those teams and you're understandably frustrated or disappointed at how things have gone for yourselves in, in 2021 the future looks pretty good yeah yeah um it's funny to think about how long these teams have been bad um with respect to their ranking currently because you've got the royals and you're like duh but it's almost the royals like well do something about it then you know, that's how I feel a little bit, you know, versus the Orioles where you're like, yeah, OK, this is the beginning. This is all right. Good. That's you did step one. You amassed a lot of young talent. Um, things look like, you know, I think the, I think the rebuild uh, looks like it's going fine in Baltimore. You know, I wouldn't say there's any real warning flags yet. Uh, they haven't traded away as many guys as I might have expected, but maybe that's because they think they're they're starting to build now and they've got these arms that are going to pop DL hall and Grayson Rodriguez is going to come up. I, I, I have to admit that other than Rutschman, I don't really know um, how much position player depth or position player prospects they're they've got. They must be younger. Cause I, I just, they're not coming to the top of my head. I know that like using old Diaz, I think has really fallen off. So I don't, I don't know um, if it's more like of a depth thing or just like really young players that I just don't know about. But I would say that the Royals looks fine. The Royals one looks to me like, okay, you guys, like, come on. Like, <laughs> like it's been a pretty long time. You've been rebuilding for a while. Uh, this this better start coming together. The Giants is just amazing when they do that. That's when you have uh, the Dodgers and the Padres, you know, uh, winning in the moment and still sporting really great prospects. Uh, that's when you usually feel like you're set up for a really good run. Um, so I, that's, 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 that's what comes to mind to me when I look at this list. Yeah. I think the Royals have only been actually like bad for three plus years now, going back to 2018, they were right near 500 in 2017. They were at 500 in 2016. They obviously won the world series back in 2015 and they lost in seven in 2014. So back to back world series appearances, okay. two 500 fair seasons, to, and then like back, a four year dip, like. That's it. That's normal. I think when teams win the World right. Series, especially smaller market teams, but most teams when they win, there's going to be a correction. They're going to lose a lot of that core because they probably had a bunch of controlled guys who became free agents. They couldn't retain all okay. of them or chose not to. I was extrapolating. I'm extrapolating a little bit of uh, being unimpressed in their pitching prospects yeah. as they've come up. I think we've now had four or five in a row that you're like, Ooh, but wait, wait till Jackson Coar comes up. Wait till Brady Singer comes up. Wait till Daniel Lynch comes up. And I mean, are any of those guys above average major league starters? Fair question. Um, and I, I think the, the problem they're going to run into is if none of them become above average big league starters, are they going to be competitive going out trying to get the occasional ace that could be available in free agency? Even the second tier guys like Zach like Wheeler, Char- obviously like pitching like an ace. Morton, the older guys that you can sign for a couple of years. Yeah, that's a tough tightrope to walk. But the I, I think the reason why they are grading out so favorably right now, I mean, obviously Bobby Witt Jr., high expectations there. Nick Prado has really reinvented himself. Eric Pena looks like a really good international signing. MJ Melendez, they have a future catcher to eventually take over for Sal Perez. It looks like they do tick a lot of boxes, especially with two guys up the middle who are going to be impact players. 
And then I think because of the volume of that pitching staff, I think you can find believers in each of those guys. Like even if we're somewhat like underwhelmed relative to expectations on Daniel Lynch or Brady Singer or Jackson Coar or even Asa Lacey with some of the issues he's had with control in the minors, right? You still have believers in some combination of those guys working out as good starters for this team in the long run. Yeah, it's it's a a lot of players who could pop, I guess. You know, I had a, a pitching uh, coach or I think he's a pitching coordinator tell me once, I'd rather get a player that was close to the major leagues than a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that they, first of all, have proven that they have near major league talent. So, like, you know that the talent base is there. And then his idea was they are usually like a tick a, a, a tick away a, a, either a tick of velo or a, or a change in pitch mix there's that you've got you know near major league talent in front of you and you just have to change things like i think uh daniel lynch uh there's a possibility there his sinker grades out better than his four seam and i know that they pushed him to the four seam because that's what modern pitching development is but I think if he actually went to a sinker, uh, change-up, uh, slider situation, that would be his best foot forward. Um, and I think he might be a better pitcher then. So I kind of, uh, even though his raw stuff right now is 91, I see, you know, 113 stuff plus on the slider, 113 on the curveball, um, you know, a change-up that he locates really well. I think he's the guy that, um, who is who are the other one? There's uh, Brady Singer. Me, I'm counting Singer as part of it since he came up last year. Lynch, Lacey, Coar, I would say are the the core guys. Yeah, I wish my app was a little bit faster, but um, and Coar, Carlos Hernandez might be part of that. We talked about him on the last episode or yeah, two episodes ago. I mean, that's I think that's literally my favorite of the group. Um, Brady Singer, uh, nothing is above average. Uh, stuff wise. So I think that's going to be really rough on him. There's no like sort of uh, pitch mix attack that I can do. Um, who who else was I and mean, Jackson Kowar, I think just had like minus minus command, right? Right. And it's like, okay, so clearly he was amped up for that first start. The fact that it happened again, the turn after that is a, a little bit of a concern, but he's been generally, well, he was pitching really well at AAA. That's kind of, man, He. I wonder wonder if he's got a case of the, of the thing right now because his numbers in the minors have taken a, a turn for the worse since that big league debut too and things were looking so good for him through the first two months of the season it's crazy stuff plus d- really doesn't like these pitchers uh Kowar doesn't have a, a pitch above average by stuff plus and his location is the worst i've ever seen 80s i've never seen that before mm. but it was three appearances you know it was not 400 pitches so Maybe there's more there, but I think if I had to pick one, it would be Lynch and it would be, um, you know, like some sort of Casey Mize esque second year where he comes back and he's retooled, you know, his sinker and he's going to, you know, he's going to, or like Logan Webb where like, he was like, why am I, why am I throwing so many four seamers? It's not that good of a pitch for me. Uh, Logan Webb comes back and and leans into the uh, slider and the, and the sinker and uh, has all that success. So, um, I think Lynch is my guy out of the group, uh, other than Carlos Hernandez, who just just needs to kind of slowly, com- you know, improve the command over time. I think that's that's all he's got to do. Yeah, and I think it makes sense. I mean, pedigree alone, Lynch was probably clearly the the best of the bunch based on expectations, with the exception of Lacey because of where he was drafted. But uh, the last four appearances for Lynch definitely a step back in the right direction. Two sixty six ERA, one eighteen WHIP during that span. 19 Ks and 23 and two thirds innings. So maybe starting to figure some things out at the big league level. There's an interesting side conversation here. We're doing all this work on, on stuff plus to try and uh, get, get it to the public and in a, in a uh, way that y'all can just like play around with those cards and stuff. And so we're doing some of the validation work. And uh, one thing that we just found out is that um, stuff plus stuff plus and location plus both matter a lot. In pitching plus so if you kind of want to look at a player in the now you want to look at both um and location plus uh 
Command Plus does not add any information to our model over Location Plus. So I'm comfortable using Location Plus as a proxy for Command Plus uh, going forward. But here's the thing that was really interesting. Um, even though they're both equ you know, equally important in our model, Stuff Plus is stickier year to year. Hmm. Uh, I think that makes some sense because you, it's the move, the shape and movement of your pitches. You know, that doesn't change as often as I think maybe uh, you go to a different team, you have a different pitching coach, you have a different approach. We're going to start throwing the cutters here or there. You know what I mean? Like that's, that seems like that happens all the time. Like how, what do you hear happen more often? I've developed a truly unique new pitch that is different from my other pitches and I'm going to start using, or I just started featuring the cutter inside the lefties more. Yeah. The latter, because it's a much, much smaller adjustment. You know, it's, exactly. it's just, yeah. it's like, <laughs> you, I, you already, I, like you already do this thing, try doing this thing the same way there. you've always done it, but over here, like, yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's a much more subtle change. And I think on top of that also, uh, in terms, in terms of subtle changes, I think that like the health stuff that they go through, um, they'll, they're going to let them pitch if they can hit 96 and shape the pitches like normal, right? They'll be, they'll be out loud out there. But if they maybe have aches and pains that don't show up in that, then they'll show up in location, you know? Cause you know, I feel like that's the finny fin. It's more finicky. Mm -hmm. Command is more finicky. It comes and it goes. Um, and that's, we have some numbers to back that up now. So it, it came up because I was looking at um, acquiring Bailey Falter and Sam Long in a trade that didn't uh, end up happening. <laughs> You're not going to get into that right now, are you? It's just one of those things where you like, we did 80 million back and forth. Of the, it was the same friggin' deal at the core. And, and I, me and my uh, team partner were just like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but we were trying to look at bailey falter and sam long which also it's a very small deal to acquire bailey falter and sam Long. come on anyway it's pretty small uh, it's pretty small but uh looking at them they're they're very different bailey falter has good command of averages stuff pitches of many of them you know uh sam long's a little bit closer to being a two-pitch guy uh with the best he has the best the pitch with the best stuff out of the two pitchers is his curveball. Uh, which one of those would you bet on going forward? And it seems like the bet is Sam Long. The best pitch probably gives you the best chance of being something. So Remember? exactly, yeah, yeah. I As even a, put it. I even put this one to a pitching coach I know, a major league pitching coach, and he said, "Yeah, I think I would take Long because." They're both probably 45s as starting pitchers, but Long is the guy who could be a 60 reliever. Right, and Falter would probably just be a 50 reliever if yeah. everything clicked. I think then the other question is if the command, I mean, command is similar for those two players or location and plus is similar. just for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, 45 is is average on the scouting scale. So, uh, yeah, we're talking like, are, are these guys have a potential to be above average starting pitcher? Maybe not. I mean, they're... They don't really profile that way. Yeah, 60 would be a high leverage, like wipeout reliever, probably going to make some all-star games. Like that's the type of, of pitcher you'd be talking about, like a 60 reliever. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, I'd rather have long or that profile if those are, are my two choices. There is a, a stuff plus question that came in from Shane that sort of fits into what we're talking about here. So I'm going to throw this your way. Shane's question is this, and stuff plus is known to fluctuate from game to game or even pitch to pitch is it possible to look at a pitcher's max stuff plus number and determine their stuff ceiling looking back on tristan mckenzie's adrenaline boosted debut is there a way to kind of set the bar for that level of potential and then monitor things like rolling stuff or velo averages could we have used this method for guys like manoa patrick sandoval and maybe sammy long in the future thanks as always for the award-winning handcrafted artisanal barrel aged podcast i like the, the last three adjectives the most I, li I like winning awards and stuff but handcrafted artisanal, artisanal. <laughs> barrel aged podcast that made me smile so thank you for the email shane now what do you think about this concept of a, a stuff ceiling a max stuff plus sort of number and, and the value of that well yeah this, that's why we were talking a little bit on a show before is that even these advanced stats like barrel or stuff or you know regression is still a thing 
Uh, sample size is still a thing. Uh, so what I would say what, for myself is I, I saw these huge debuts from Manoa, McKenzie, and Shane McClanahan in terms of stuff. And then they sort of fell off of that. Part of that is you debut with adrenaline. So I don't, I don't know that I would want to assign that adrenaline fueled stuff number as your, as your stuff max, because I wouldn't, I, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. Right. I think that, uh, that's like your postseason. I guess it could be a max, but I, I, I don't know how much the value that gives you. All right. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. Yes. I think it's, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's better than not being able to put those numbers up. Right. Yeah. Right. right. It, it's, it's back to the, once you show a skill, do you own it? Do you, I don't it, think that they could sit at their debut levels, but I did think since they debuted at that grade of a stuff plus level, they could regress and still be great. And that's been true for Manoa and, uh, and McClanahan. Yeah, yeah. It's a Shane McClanahan's exactly the guy that I thought of when you just said that. So I'm, I'm glad you, you threw his name in there too. But it, yes, it, it's it's kind of like, does it have to even be the debut? Like, how, how much does your best stuff plus number in an outing really tell us about your your true talent level? Is it any way is it in any way analogous to what we've been talking about with max exit velocity and, and how that, yeah. that or those types of, of readings and how those could be helpful it's, or in some way predictive? It is possible because I mean it's it, we I've I've talked about max pitch velocity being interesting. I mean, once a guy can you know, and and I know this from like even Farhan Zaidi has admitted that it's this, this true. It's like once you see a guy, you know, throw ninety nine or something. Like let's say you look at John Axford, right? And he's been out of the league for two three years, and you know you're like, why why do we care about John Axford? Well, then he sends you video. He's hit ninety nine. Well, now you're interested in John Axford. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a, that's how much like a, a, a one one uh, max pitch velocity can mean. So I, I I I can dig it. I just wanted to point out that like you know there is regression, and th- th- you know that the sample size that we like is is you know three to four hundred pitches at least. Um, but we you know in this tool that we're going to have, we're going to have rolling um, stuff plus, and there will be you know, a question. And I hope that people, you know, we're, we're trying to improve this as it goes on. So we've made improvements to the model of the course of this year. And I don't expect that what we ever debut here for in September for a soft launch for stuff plus is uh, going to be, you know, just that's it for next year too. Like, I think we're going to always be improving this. So one thing that maybe people could do research in our app or, you know, linked with us is uh, hot hand theory and sort of like, we know from Rob Arthur's work that fastball velo for for a pitcher can actually be predictive on a short on a short uh, on a seasonal level, like on a game to game level. So I would assume that it's not that crazy to say that stuff plus changes in stuff plus could be predictive of changes in in performance. Um, and so we're going to have those rolling things. What I notice when I look at someone like Tristan McKenzie uh, is that when he first came back, he did have this uh super high peak uh his second best uh stuff plus number of this season and it did drop off but so you had that one and you could be like oh my god trist mckenzie's back and i did you know go and try and get a couple of trist mckenzie's because i was like damn that's this is this is a great this is if this is max pitch stuff plus like it's good but and then he regressed off of that so it's better to use three or four starts in a row because you know, now we see this picture of McKenzie of being um, around league average and stuff. Um, he was way worse than that before when when his velo was down. So uh, I think around league average and stuff with league average location and the one of the better pitching parks in baseball and one of the better pitching strategy uh, teams in baseball makes McKenzie like a slightly above average uh, fantasy pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I, McKenzie, I'm trying to decide if I'm right for liking him back in March based on me not having him anywhere and watching him have success in August. And I don't feel that good about it if I am right. So based on how I feel, I don't think I get a W here. Like if you get a W, you feel good. I don't feel good. Therefore, I don't have a W. <laughs> right. 
I can, I can see that. I feel good about McClanahan calls. I, I don't know. I was a little bit worried for a little bit because they weren't pitching him long. But uh, that one worked out pretty well. Yeah, and Manila, I think there were pretty good signs in his underlying numbers, right, when he came up too, and he's delivered in a really big way uh, since that time. We are going to go. Before we go, I'm going to let everybody know you can get a subscription to The Athletic for 30% off. It comes out to $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Get all of Eno's pieces, Eno's articles, Eno's stories, and everything else we do as well, including the Fantasy Football Draft Kit. That season is upon us now that we're in the back half of August. On the rare occasion that I write something, that's included too, but uh, really you're signing up for everybody else because they write a lot more than I do. On Twitter, he's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. You can also email us, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com is the best way to reach us. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.